Welcome to History and Film. I'm Rich Simmons. We would like to get into some listener feedback this season, so if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything even tangentially related to the podcast, you can send an email to Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S, at tracknerds.com, or hit me up on Twitter, where my handle is, at tracknerds. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Okay, this week was Goodbye Lenin. I want to kind of get more into Cold War and Russian communism and maybe some things we didn't necessarily get into with previous episodes. So we've talked about World War II and a little bit maybe of the fallout after that. We talked about Charlie Wilson's wars being driven by the Cold War and even something like Four Months, Three Weeks, Two Days where we're dealing with communist Romania. But we haven't really got into a lot of maybe the whys. And I think here now as we get to the end of... Not communism completely. Obviously, the fall of communism wasn't complete. Places like Cuba and China and Vietnam, you know, and their mm-hmm. com- communism there endured. But the majority of communist the, countries... The fall of the Soviet Union. Yeah, the Soviet Union, but also yeah. then, you know, again, places like Romania and Germany, the, the communists kind of left or, or fell out of power there. So I kind of wanted to, like, let's book in the whole Cold War, because I don't know if we specifically mentioned it. Obviously, after the fall of Germany in World War II, the Allied powers divided it up, and you ended up right. with Russia wanting some control over a more submissive German state that was set up right. communist like that. And that's what became East Germany. Well, people generally think of like East Germany and West Germany is actually divided up into like into quadrants. Yeah. So there was actually four sections. It's just that three of them were the United States, Great Britain and France, which obviously all like Western powers, you know, capitalist powers. Um, so they together were, were West Germany um, and then East Germany was controlled by the Soviets. And then in East Germany, you had Berlin, which was also divided up into four sections with the Soviets controlling one and then the United States, Great Britain and France controlling the rest. But, you know, the you had the capitalist and communist divide, which the Soviets basically wanted to kick the Western powers out. So they blockaded the Western part of the city. And this was in like 1948 or 1949. Um, they stopped all road and rail traffic going in, which then started the Berlin airlift, which went on for many months. And uh, it was when you look up stats on the Berlin airlift, it's insane. Like a plane is taking off or landing every 30 seconds oh, for wow. like months, for months on end. They're delivering, it was like something like 8,000 tons of goods every single day by the end. This is into West Germany is the idea? Or into West Berlin? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, into 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 West Berlin. Right. Because the they could, you basically couldn't drive there anymore because the Soviets right. had to... you couldn't you couldn't drive there and you couldn't get there by train because the Soviets had blocked off um, all of the land routes because Berlin is is it was inside of East, uh, East Germany. Yeah. Now, the wall itself wasn't until 61, but they still had... Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and eventually, the Soviets did allow ground traffic back into Berlin, but, you know, oh, that okay. was... That's just a, one, of, one of the big kind of historical events, you know, regarding Berlin after World War II as a Berlin airlift. And then you had what they called the brain drain, which was a bunch of uh, young and educated people leaving East Germany, but specifically East Berlin and leaving to the West because they didn't want to live under Soviet communism. So it was something like 15 percent of working age people left East Germany between the end of World War II and 1961. And that was when the Soviets basically said, all right, this is enough. We need to. Right. It's killing our it was killing their economy. Yeah. 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 So they they decided to basically completely seal off East Berlin from West Berlin. 
Yes. So that's the world of our story today. And so the present in the story is kind of 18, sorry, 1989 and 1990. But they, they flash back and show the main kid and his sister in 1978 in in east germany east berlin and the kids kind of obsessed with space and it was kind of interesting to see on august 26th 1978 the first german go up into space and how proud this kid felt that he was kind of representing specifically you know east germany and everything and what i found amusing is of course i was literally born the next day so this is kind of the point on the timeline where i came into existence i was born the day after that uh first german went into space so i found that amusing and the the guy's name is actually sigmund jan okay yeah so the 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 name and the the guy that they show in the movie is a real guy he was actually the first person to or the first german to go to space yes some of the stuff like after he you know after the, the fall of of the soviet union and after east germany like they'd they show him as like this taxi driver that never really amounted of anything. Like that's that's all made up for the movie. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I wondered. He he did he did work for the German Aerospace Center and for the European Space Agency basically for the rest of his career. So he he was actually you know still involved with going to space. He didn't just basically come back and become a taxi driver. But although the guy in the movie says he's not him, that's the true. Character, the character in the movie says, "I get that a lot." That's true. So I almost, I almost wonder it's not actually the guy in the movie, even though the kids actually think it is, and he's the guy's just going yeah. along with it. <laughs> yeah. Because even when you ask him again, he's like, he's like, "Screw it! I'll just tell him like what it was like in space." So maybe the character yeah. actually isn't really the astronaut, which is kind of kind of a fun little, yeah, you know, not twist necessarily, but it's just like a fun thought. It's like, no, he really isn't the guy. <laughs> the kid's wrong. Right. And actually, this movie wasn't as funny as I remembered. I, in my mind, this was a comedy. It's really not. If the premise is the premise is humorous, oh, I, I, but I thought it was going to be more of a drama, just based on the beginning. Of the, I mean, there there are definitely I, I would almost call it a dramedy because yeah, there are no, comical right. elements and, and there's comical scenes. But yeah, I thought it was going to be more of a straight up drama than it was. Fair. I had seen it before, and in my mind, I had kind of categorized it as near farce with the efforts he was going through to kind of keep conceal the truth from his mother. So I had actually forgotten about the dramatic elements. So yeah, I think it's probably just a skewed memory because I had seen it before. And so yeah, the, the premise for those who haven't seen it, this is actually a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Basically, as the, at the beginnings of the revolutions that will see the end of communism in East Germany and kind of all around Europe and even the end of the Soviet Union, their mother has a heart attack. It's actually during even like a protest. She sees her son getting arrested, has a heart attack, goes into a coma for eight months. And that eight months is basically when everything happened. So when she wakes back up and the doctors say any unnecessary stress could literally kill her. So the son has the (laughs) brilliant idea of hiding the fact that everything has changed from her, which means hiding all the new Western culture and products that have infiltrated East Berlin in the eight months that his mother's been in a coma. And kind of to humorous effect, but also kind of just the effect that everyone around him, his sister, his girlfriend are all getting frustrated with him. They're like, she's going to be fine. It's not that big a deal. And he's almost become like obsessive about this project more than even how much it's probably protecting his mom. Anyway, it's just kind of interesting to see him jumping through these hoops to, of course, we as the viewer get frustrated with him too. Like, it's impressive the extents he's going, like even having a buddy make fake news reels that they can then play yes, on the TV in which I bedroom. thought was, that was kind of cool, like, you know, especially for this podcast, because this is, you know, it's about, it's, it, there is a filmmaking element to this movie as well. Mm. Like he, you know, he's showing them the, 
the wedding video that he makes where he like does like the uh, the cut oh. um, with the the bouquet flying through the air and it it mimics the cut from two thousand one. Right. Which of course our main guy doesn't get because he's never seen two thousand one because he's from East Berlin. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool, you know, showing them, you know, shooting these newsreels and, and editing footage together and, and basically making these home movies to trick his mom into thinking that, you know, basically making the news whatever they want it to be. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of funny. His buddy's like a wannabe film director and is totally okay going through all this effort for an audience of one. Like, it's just for this yeah. guy's mom to kind of keep yep. her and they kind of, yeah, to keep going through bigger and bigger ordeals to basically to, to explain why is there a big coke banner on the on the building outside my window and right. why, why did i see all this western stuff why is everyone wearing western clothes and why is there a bmw dealership across the street right. now and oh did it come up with a clever i thought a clever way to explain it away and because what's also significant is the mom actually enjoyed the socialist kind of republic thing going on in east yes. germany she embraced it. She basically, at the beginning of the movie, they, they talk about how they say his dad left, basically defected to West Germany with some other woman and left their family. And then their mom basically, you know, substituted the Soviet Union for her husband. Right. And she was now married to the state. Yeah. Right. She's now married to the state. So she just became super involved right. with the cause of the Soviets. Right. And took a lot of pride, but also in, a, in an interesting way, and something you wouldn't necessarily think about was an almost kind of like a Ralph Nader type. She was like an advocate for change to help the consumers and would write letters to companies and the government to try to make their lives better. So she was an advocate for, in a way, progressivism, but which fell within the constraints of the system. So she wasn't fighting against the system, but she was striving to make it better for the people within it and was kind of right. an advocate, which is I guess, yeah. a role you wouldn't necessarily think of existing. You would think someone that challenged the state would be on an enemy's list, but she did it from a place of love, which I thought was kind of right. fascinating. Right. And she wasn't saying like the Soviet Union is bad because these things are bad. She would say like, here are some ways, you know, I love the Soviet Union. I want it to be the best it can right. possibly be. So here are some ways that we can improve. Right. When you're giving us these state-controlled things, maybe consider this. and It would be a better way to do the state-controlled thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then the big twist I'd actually forgotten is that the dad didn't actually leave. He went first, and she was supposed to follow with the kids and got cold feet. Yes. Right. He went to a conference in West Germany and she was basically supposed to just make a run for it. But then she said, well, you know, I couldn't get the visas and it, it was so hard, like it would have been so hard. And what was I supposed to do? Like, so she just she just stayed behind with her kids. And then he sent letters for years and she hid them all from the kids. Right. Talk about a betrayal. Yeah. And, then, and then made up this lie. Yeah. Which that actually I did want to talk about, like the real life events surrounding escapes from East mm, Berlin to West yes. Berlin. A bunch of people tried to do it over the years. Um, I guess uh, there, there were a lot that were successful, a bunch that weren't, which usually resulted in death because the East German guards had basically had orders to shoot on sight right. people that they saw trying to defect. But um, some of the ways that people actually did end up leaving were pretty creative. You had people that like tunneled under the wall. You had people that like made like homemade zip lines. One guy made a tightrope that he walked across. Somebody made a uh, homemade hot air balloon. There was a guy who like he took he had this like this convertible 
and he lowered it and took the windshield off and then basically like drove up to this checkpoint kind of nonchalantly and then at the last second like gunned it through and his car was low enough that it just like slid right under the the gate or the little uh, crossing bar thing that they the had there. thing, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, then there was like a, a guy who set up a fake like film segment. He was he told the guards, oh, I want to film this this scene to show how much uh, we appreciate, you know, you border guards standing here and keeping us safe. And he had like these girls that were helping him out. So they came up and they were like giving the guards flowers and stuff and pretending, you know, pretending to, to shoot this film scene where they were like appreciative of the guards. And then he basically just was able to kind of get their defenses down. And then at one point he was close enough to the gate that he just made a run for it and made it into to West Berlin. Because once you're over there, West Berlin had no responsibility to return you. They were just like, okay, hey, right. walk. yeah. So it's like once you escaped, you were free. And they're they're not going to risk World War Three by like shooting into West Berlin to stop somebody. Basically, once you make it across, you're, you're home free. Oh, even if you're 100 feet looking back at the gate, they're not going to shoot at you. I didn't think about right. that. You're right. Right. Yeah, huh. because that's that would be you know attacking right. West Berlin at that. Huh. Point. Um, but there there were there were obviously a bunch of people that were not successful. I think the confirmed number is like 170 something people over the years. Oh, I guess it was from 1961 to the end of the Cold War. 170 something people confirmed to have died trying to okay. escape. Okay. But I, I think they estimate the number to be into the 200s. Oh, you know that right. that's just the the ones that we know about. So I wanted to talk about. Basically, this 1989, even though I lived through this, I was just too young to really appreciate what was happening at the time. Like, I was cognizant that the Berlin Wall was coming down, but I wasn't, I was, I couldn't appreciate the significance of it other than just like, you know, my parents were probably saying it was a big deal. So, yeah, it was kind of fascinating. So, they kind of call them all the revolutions of 1989. Specifically, the one in Germany was called the Peaceful Revolution. Is that what we see in the movie, the protests and stuff? Is that part of, what is going on there? Yeah, I mean that, that is kind of the that is kind of the impetus. So here's here's the timeline listed on the Peaceful Revolution Wikipedia page. It says basically in June that Hungary opened a border fence with Austria. In August, they kind of started lifting some of the travel bans. In mm-hmm. September, there start being demonstrations in East Germany, and that's kind of what we see then into October. Those those are just kind of continued. It looks like, and that's where the, where the mom kind of went under, and then by by November the wall's coming down like it yeah and then what's interesting is basically what i still probably really didn't understand until kind of just doing some research before we got on the phone here is why wasn't it more violent and it's basically because the soviet union had loosened its grip and what basically the government no longer was willing to put forth the effort to suppress the population that wasn't willing to be under their thumb anymore. And they just kind of just said like, well, you're not in charge anymore. And the government's like, right. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was funny too. I, apparently the actual event of like the opening of the border was a mistake. It was like they sent some guy out to do this press conference. It wasn't a go ahead. It wasn't like the green light. It's now officially coming down. People started taking it down and no one stopped them. Well, and right, and and it all started because this guy that the government sent out to talk. I guess they he got sent out to make an announcement that they were going to start allowing people to apply for visas. Okay, yeah. and listening, yeah, listening up the borders, yeah, loosey goosey. You could apply for a visa. You can go to East Germany, go between East and West Germany, whenever you want. You know, just apply and and we'll we'll approve it. Whatever, no big deal. And so they just start taking the wall down. And and there was a, a journalist was like, um, when when is this going into effect? And they goes, oh yeah, right now, like effective immediately. You can pretty much travel. And people were like, oh okay. And so they just 
mass floods to the border crossings. And uh, I guess they like at, at first the guys were like, oh, call, you know, orderly fashion. We need to check everyone's passports. And they were like, screw it. There's like three of us and there's like 5,000 people right. in this crowd. Whatever, whatever. Do whatever you want. And then that's when they started tearing up. What, yeah. What a moment. That's that's kind of crazy to think about. So specifically, I feel like someone who doesn't get enough credit, and it's probably because we tend to give a lot of the credit to Reagan, and despite mm-hmm. not being a big Reagan fan, I, I think there's some validity to that. I think he does deserve a lot of credit for kind of helping to... His, his relationship with Gorbachev was, I think, kind of instrumental. So I was kind of like yeah. reading just on, on Gorbachev's Wikipedia page here, and basically, even though he kind of grew up within you know the Soviet system and as a member of the party... He was definitely an anti-Stalinist, and when it kind of came around, he was just way more relaxed on the way they did things. And again, so he just he was just kind of chill about what was in the best interest of the people. And so, basically, if Gorbachev was a hardliner, none of this happens, or it doesn't happen until much later. Right. Right. And we talked about this in the Charlie Wilson's War episode. That was one of the reasons why that why the Soviet Afghan War actually ended was because. Brezhnev was out, Gorbachev was in, and Gorbachev was anti-war and anti, he was an anti-interventionist. So he didn't think that, you know, that the Soviets should have been in Afghanistan doing that anyway. Um, And then, like, you know, like we see here, he really was not really that concerned with making sure that they, you know, kept a firm grip on East Germany. And so they, like you said, they were rolling back restrictions and rolling back restrictions until eventually there was just no reason for the people in East Germany to not just tear down the wall themselves. Right. And yeah, the dude won the Nobel Peace Prize for all his work in all this stuff. And it's, again, I think it's someone maybe in the West we don't give enough enough credit to because despite Reagan was kind of just the one prodding him. But if, you know, if, right. if it had been a Putin type in charge at that time, Reagan wouldn't have been able to make any kind of progress. And ultimately, it had, it had to come from the Soviets. Right. What's interesting, though, too, you think about how that kind of ties in. So and this is getting ahead of ourselves here. But, you know, as the Soviet Union got rid of communism, but then maybe struggled economically, that's why they kind of, not all the country, but enough of the country embraces a old school hardliner dictator type like a Putin, because he's kind of advocating for Soviet greatness in a way that maybe had become mm-hmm. lax in, in the last 30 years. And they're kind of okay with him flexing his muscle on behalf of the Russians in a way that maybe they're they're nostalgic for. I don't know, because yeah. wasn't, wasn't Putin even like a KGB guy and everything back in the day? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And as far in that, so uh, Germany obviously was united ju- within just months. I, I think officially yep. united, united, reunited in 1990. And then, so they yep. t- and they talk about them winning the World Cup basically right after. And I guess- yeah, which was uh, I was going to bring that up too. That was like a huge, a huge deal that the first year that Germany is reunited, they have basically they are all rallying behind one soccer team in the World Cup, and then they they win that year. It's kind of like, makes you think of like Invictus with South Africa, where they kind of do the same thing with rugby. So yeah, that kind of happened. I'm surprised they haven't had a movie from that point of view about this German soccer team. So yeah, a a very solid, this movie is a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it does star, did you recognize Daniel Bruhl from uh, Inglourious Bastards? Yeah, he's from Inglourious Bastards, and he is also, um, and I don't know if if, uh, if you're into the Marvel movies, but he's also... he plays the villain in Captain America Civil War. Which I've seen it, but I couldn't picture him in that, yeah. Oh, okay. So that's pro- where people recognize him from is either going to be in Glorious Bastards 
or Captain America Civil War. Okay, because I didn't recognize the character name Zemo that it says is his name. It also says he's working on a upcoming All Quiet on the Western Front film. That would be cool. I do like him as an actor. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I haven't. I've only seen him in in this and uh, the other two movies that we just mentioned. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, apparently he is also the, uh, if you watch, uh, cars dubbed into German, he's Lightning McQueen. Oh, nice. Perfect. <laughs> so people probably will recognize his voice if, you know, if like me, you like to watch Pixar movies dubbed into German. <laughs> well, that does sound fun. Uh, it did not get any Oscar nominations, but it was nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Foreign Film for movies from 2003. Uh, but yeah, definitely want, definitely want to check out. I, I, I do. I love the concept and the stuff with the dad and kind of getting to reconnect. Is yes. Oh, pretty powerful. Spoiler alert for people who, uh, who haven't seen the movie. I, what I thought was even more emotionally impactful than the, the big twist of, Oh, just kidding. Your dad didn't leave you. He, you know, we were all going to defect. He spends all that time trying to keep his mom from knowing what happened. And then right before he's about to show her the video that he makes showing how East and West Berlin are reunited, uh, he doesn't see it, but the audience sees his girlfriend actually explains the whole thing to his mom right before he comes in and shows her this fake newscaster that he made. And she never lets on. Like, he thinks that she died, you know, believing everything that he told him. But he shows her this video of, you know, he got the, uh, you know, the, the taxi driver who may or may not be the actual astronaut to do a segment where they pretend that he's actually the new leader of East Germany and that he's the one responsible for the reunification. And she knows the whole time that it's all fake, but she doesn't say anything. And she's actually like has a smile on her face. Like she is so appreciative of all the effort that he went to to try and keep her safe and healthy and, and keep her from finding out because he didn't want her to have another episode. And I think that was, I mean, that was even more of a tear up emotional gut punch moment than, than finding out that, uh, that his dad was writing them letters. Oh, see, for me, it was when he goes to the dad's house on the day they're actually having a party for him and he sees the kids watching TV during the party and he goes in and sits with the kids who are his half siblings he's never met. Yeah. And is watching, they're watching the same show that he used to like growing up and the dad comes in to check yep. on him and they're like, whoa, who's this? And, and the, the kids yeah. say, oh, this is Alex. And the yeah. da- I'm getting chills right now because the, 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 you see the gears turning in the dad's head as he yeah. goes, he goes, holy cow. He goes, I, I don't, I don't know you. Have we, have we met before? And he goes, yeah, we've met. Uh-huh. And the kids, he goes, oh, what, what's your name? And the kids, oh, his name's Alexander. And then he's sitting there and he's kind of, yeah, you can see the gears turning. He goes, yeah. Alex? And then he's it's like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your son, dude. And it's, it would be more powerful if Alex actually kind of got more invested. He was more just like, yeah, yeah. whatever, dude. Even though, doesn't he know at that point the mom didn't, the mom was the bad guy technically, not the dad. Yeah, he, he knows, he knows. Okay. Um, but it's still kind of this like emotional thing. And then also, it's awkward. For right. You. And he takes him to the hospital. And he says, hey, you know, just so you know, you know, you can't tell mom that she, you know, that Germany's back together and everything. But she, the mom already knows because it's when they're walking up that you see the right. the girlfriend is telling the mom everything. So right. then he goes in and talks, dad goes in and talks to the mom and the son leaves. Right. So, that's like another thing too is, is we're that not privy to that conversation. Were, yeah. Right. But they obviously, I mean, I can only imagine that he's like, uh, you know, uh, East Germany. And she's like, calm down, dude. Like I, 
I already know. I'm just, you know, I'm just playing along now too. Um, cause it's almost, it almost becomes just as much for him as it does for her. Exactly. Because he became so OCD about protecting her. And yeah. she probably didn't need to be protected as severe, even though, hey, she does right. ultimately die from her illness, but she didn't right. necessarily need protected in the way that Alex was trying to protect yeah. her. And when, you, you know, at the beginning of the movie, he's kind of a, a deadbeat is really word, but he kind of doesn't really have a direction. He's kind of just, his sister's like, did you sleep in your clothes again? And, mm-hmm. you know, he's not really doing anything, you know, no girlfriend, kind of a, a job that he doesn't really like or care about. And then this, this kind of mission of making his mom's life trying to show her that East and West Germany are still separate. Um, it, it gives them this purpose and this True. drive. And so, yeah, I just, I thought that was kind of cool. Okay. And this is the movie that officially brings us into the nineties on our timeline. So we are now into the decade that you'll be born. <laughs> yes. And uh, we'll see where, if that comes up a little more precise, actually we'll pass it next week. Uh, Cause we'll be in 1994 next week with, the very, very dark, depressing, but important movie, Hotel Rwanda. (laughs) 